Now, I think you'd agree in our hyper-connectivity kind of world, patience is becoming a lost art. More and more, we expect things to happen immediately. (laughs) You know, I've found myself at times standing by my microwave, uh, popping popcorn, okay? And and our popcorn, uh, sorry, our popcorn machine, our microwave takes two minutes and 20 seconds to have just the right, it's not burned, it's not unpopped, it's just beautiful. In it goes, and I find myself about a minute in going, hurry up, oh, come on. And then I think to myself, what are you talking about? You have to wait a minute and 20 seconds. But we're like that, aren't we? We're so influenced by our culture. We're so impatient. We want things now. Yeah. And you could say, patience today is in short supply. We want what we want, and we want it now. Our attitude can be a lot like this. Lord, Give me patience and give it to me right now. (laughs) It's not how it works though, is it? Now, we all see examples of patience every day in our lives, don't we? Uh, In other people's lives too. But if we look closely enough, if we listen to the Holy Spirit, we'll also catch examples of impatience in ourselves. I know personally, I used to think I was a pretty patient person until I had children. (laughs) And then I realised I had plenty of room for growth. (laughs) Uh. But the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is patience, is patience. So how can we become more patient? As a matter of fact, how can we live by all the fruits of the Spirit in increasing measure, love and joy and peace and all these things? Well, to understand this, we must uh, understand, or so we must, let me start again. Well, to understand this, we must take an important step back and look at uh, how we live by the fruit of the Spirit in the first place. And then we can discuss practical examples of what patience should look like in our lives. So today we're going to look at two questions. The first is, how do we live by the fruit of the Spirit? How do we live by the fruit of the Spirit? And the second question is, what should patience look like in your daily life. Now, you might say, we're, for, we're into our fourth sermon on the fruit of the Spirit. Why are we talking about how to live by the fruit of the Spirit right now? Well, over the past few weeks, I've been listening to a number of sermons by Charles Stanley. I've been reading even um, some powerful testimony and stories by Hudson Taylor, a very famous missionary who founded the Inland China Christian Mission. I've also been reading in a, 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 just a page, actually, interestingly enough, by um, Philip Keller, who wrote a famous book called a, uh, a Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. And I've really been meditating on, and God's really been personally speaking to me about how we really live by the fruit of the Spirit. Because as Christians, so often we don't live by them. If we're honest with ourselves, do we always feel loving toward each other? Are we filled with joy all the time? Are we experiencing deep, lasting peace and patience? And if we're honest, we, we, we often don't, do we? Uh, I was at the crusade, well, I shouldn't use the word crusade these days, at the uh, event last night, and there was a lady who uh, had obviously been mixed up by the usher. The, the usher said, everyone needs to move along. You know when you go to these events, everyone's got to move down so everyone can fit in? And she said, um, can you move down, please? There was a bunch of kids in this lady. And uh, she was wet from the rain, and she just lost it at this usher and started saying, you told me to go here, and I told her to go here. And she got really, really upset. And the usher was like, okay, you can stay. I said, I said look, we can go past. It's okay. Now, I, I don't know if she's a Christian or not, but, but sometimes we can react like that, can't we? When we're tired and upset, we're not really living by the fruit of the Spirit. And I, I didn't look at her judgmentally. I, I can 
be like that too. But isn't it interesting, we can either live by our flesh or, or by the Spirit. So this is so, so important that we look at this today. Because if we don't understand this fundamental truth of how to live by the Spirit, then we're just going to try really, really hard to be patient, try really, really hard to have joy, try really, really hard. But that doesn't work. We just fail, don't we? And then we get discouraged because we think, I'm a hopeless Christian. How can I do this? This is so important and it's so in my heart that we talk about it. So let's talk about this first question. How do we live by the fruit of the Spirit? As God's been speaking to me, let's, let's look at God's Word together. The first question is fundamental to our Christian lives because many of us uh, in our life of faith can really struggle. We struggle with obedience. We struggle with temptation and failure. We struggle with doubts and, and worries. For many of us, the Christian life can be one of struggle. But that's not how it's supposed to be. Charles Stanley, the famous preacher, puts it like this. And this might sound shocking at first, but I'll explain. I cannot live the Christian life, he says. I haven't been able to live the Christian life. And I never will be able to live the Christian life. But then he says, and thank God he never intended me to do it. What does Reverend Stanley mean by, thank God he never intended for me to do it? He means that in our own strength, by our own flesh, by our own self-effort, it is impossible to live the Christian life. We continue to try and we so often fail. But Jesus makes it clear that's not how you live a fruitful Christian life. And thank goodness for that, because it would just be hard a lot of the time by trying and trying and trying. The only way any of us can live a joyful, loving, patient, fruit-filled Christian life is to stop trying in our own strength, in our own sinful flesh, and instead to fully trust and surrender ourselves to the Lord Jesus and depend on His Holy Spirit to live the Christian life through us. Now that's very different to trying in my own strength. It is God by His Spirit living in me and through me. Again, let me say it because it's so important. Not trying to live the Christian life through our own effort, but depending upon the God's Holy Spirit to live through us a Spirit-filled, fruitful Christian life. So both our salvation and our transformation is entirely dependent upon God's grace and His work in our lives. God does the work in us and through us. Now, Paul puts it simply in Galatians 2.20 when he says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. So we're dead to our old selves. Now, did you hear that? I no longer live. We're dead. So how can a dead person try to live the Christian life? It's impossible because they're dead, okay? Our sinful selves, our sinful, we're dead. Have, have, you, ever, have you ever seen a dead person who's buried do anything other than lie there? No, because they're dead, <laughs> okay? We cannot do it in our own flesh. But Christ, he says, Paul, Christ lives in me. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You could even say Christ lives in and through me by his Holy Spirit. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
So it is through Christ's life in me, by His Holy Spirit, that He lives through me. Now I'm going to explain this further, so stay with me. Jesus puts it another way saying this. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Now listen to this. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. So can we do it ourselves? Can the branch bear fruit? Can the, can the branch go, mm, out pops a grape? No. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Now listen to this. This is so important. Just like a branch can't bear fruit by itself, it depends on the nutrients and the sap to come from the vine to produce any fruit, doesn't it? Have you ever seen uh, a, a branch that's been taken off the vine that, that is not being um, fed by the vine? Well, we get them in our grapes when we buy them at the supermarket. You know, the little bits of the vine, a uh, little bit of branch is still attached. They've got all the grapes. What do you do with them? You pull the grapes off and chuck them in the bin. They, are they achieving or doing anything? They're dead. Well, so too, the only way we can bear Christian fruit and character in our lives is by remaining in Jesus the vine, living in Him, depending upon Him, resting in Him as our vine. After all, it's the life of the vine that fills the branch. It's His sap that makes us fruitful. And the way Jesus makes us fruitful is through the Holy Spirit living in and through us. Does that make sense? He's the sap. I like how Charles Stanley summarizes all this saying, and I've put it up there because it's a little bit wordy, but it's so important. I like how Charles Stanley says He says this, living... A spirit-filled Christian life requires, living a Christian uh, spirit-filled life requires the complete surrender of your body, soul, and spirit to the Lord Jesus Christ. So a complete surrender. I can't do this anymore, God. You've got to do it in me, okay? Complete surrender to Him. And moment by moment, living in submission to, dependency upon, and sensitivity to the control of the Holy Spirit. And he adds, it takes one other thing besides surrender, and that is simple childlike faith to believe he will be in you what he promised to be. Now, why have I labored on this so much when I'm supposed to be talking about cultivating patience today? (laughs) Well, because when Charles Stanley, Hudson Taylor, this famous inland China missionary, and so many great men and women of God understood this truth, Their lives were transformed from burdensome labour in their faith to experiencing joyful, fruitful, spirit-filled Christian lives regardless of their circumstances. In fact, Hudson Taylor, I mean, read about this guy. He's a legend of the faith. Uh, One of his missionary friends or contemporaries said of him that uh, he was uh, a burdened man who toiled and laboured until he understood this truth and he became a joy-filled man where there was no longer any burden on him. And Hudson Taylor talks about how his life was transformed and how he could do any task without any burden. It's just remarkable. Charles Stanley said the same thing. He said he'd been a preacher for many years. He'd been a pastor for many years. 
But when he came to understand this truth, because he said he was exhausted from all the work he had to do and the never-ending demands on his life in ministry, and he, he was like, Lord, I can't do this anymore. And when he came to understand that it wasn't by his own strength and toil, but it was by God doing it in him, not his power, but just saying, Jesus, your spirit lives within me, work through me to will and to act, and surrendering himself to the Lord was all of a sudden it was like an epiphany and his life was transformed and uh, what was once a burden was now a joy. Now, as I've been reading this, I've been a pastor for a while now. I've been in ministry for over 20 years now. Can you believe that? But as I've been reading and studying this, it's been like God has been saying to me, and I'm like, yeah, oh my goodness. I've spoken on this. I believe that you live by the Spirit, but now God's doing something deeper in my soul, and I get it. And I've been practicing this the past few days. I've been saying, Lord, I, in, in specific, and I'll be practical situations. My kids are going crazy, okay? Practical situations. And I say, Lord, I know how I want to react, <laughs> but your Spirit lives within me. Please respond through me. React through your Spirit in me. Be Jesus through me. And I haven't done it perfectly, let me say. But there have been times where I would have reacted one way and I've reacted differently, very differently. That is because the Spirit is doing it in me. And this is not selective for pastors. <laughs> this is for everyone. This is transformative in your life, let me tell you. This is, this is fundamental. We can experience that same joyful, fruitful, victorious Christian life if only we trust and surrender to the Lord. Stop trying to be in control anymore. When we try and be in control, we won't have this joy. We won't have this peace because we're trying to be in control. But when we abandon our control and say, I surrender to you, Lord, and, and then we say, Holy Spirit, would you lead me? Lord Jesus, would you lead me by your Spirit? When we do this, when we stop trying to live the Christian life in our own strength, and rather daily, when we, when we need God's help, especially in trying circumstances, when we give our burden to Jesus and ask Him to help us by His Holy Spirit to act and react just as He would, it's surprising how quickly He answers that sincere prayer. And even as I've been reading these other people who are godly men who, who've been living like this for some time, they say the same thing. It's amazing how God just answers that. Not that we're made perfect. Not that we're not sinful. Not that we do stupid things. Because we li still live in a sinful world and we're still sinful people, but it, is, it, it makes a huge difference in your life. And I just feel like, even though I've been Christian for some time, all of a sudden I'm getting this in a new way. Now, all that said, what should spirit-empowered patience look like in our daily lives? Well, though this is not a comprehensive list, what does it look like to live out this type of life? Well, patience, the fruit of the Spirit, patience shows a willingness to wait. Now, this may seem obvious, uh, but with the Spirit's help, it's a willingness we need to cultivate. You see, when we're impatient in certain situations, sometimes our impatience isn't only with the situation. Who else can we be impatient with when everything's going wrong? God. God. We tend to have a tendency to complain to God when things don't come together as quickly as we would like. Now, have you ever been in that situation? You're praying for a job or for healing or the resolution of a financial problem or a relationship problem. 
Every day the situation seems to be growing larger and larger and more and more difficult. And God doesn't seem to be in nearly as much hurry as you and me to sort it out. (laughs) Andy Stanley, Charles Stanley's son, says, when it comes to waiting for the right time, we tend to look at the clock. You ever looked at the clock? It's literally like, hurry up. But God looks at the calendar. (laughs) That's because God's timing is perfect, and he knows so much more about the situation than you and I ever will. He sees the big picture. And one of the things that he knows that we so often forget is that the simple act of waiting will make you a better person. You see, it's through the refiner's fire, it's through the difficult times, it's through the muck, it's through the clay, it's when things are hard that God molds and shapes us. He doesn't mold and shape us when we're la-di-da, everything's happy, does he? He molds us when it's hard and we have to change and we need God's help. And so that's why God sometimes says, wait. And we say, no. And he says, wait. And we say, no. He says, wait. And we say, oh, Okay. Now, many times we think we're waiting until God is finally ready to resolve a situation. But the truth could be that he's waiting until you're ready. He's waiting for you to become the person he created you to be, a person conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, filled with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He's allowing the situation to conform you into his image. Now, if you find yourself impatient with a situation and impatient with God's timing, Remember what he said to the prophet Habakkuk. Have a listen to this. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Now these words spoken to Habakkuk in a specific time, in a specific situation in his day, also apply to you and me. The solution to your situation will come at the appointed time. Though it linger, wait for it. Patience is the willingness to say, I trust that God is in control of this situation. I will give him the time to do what he needs to do in my life to make me the person he created me to be. In other words, our pain is not pointless. It always has a point in the hands of a loving God. We read earlier that those who produce fruit, the gardener, which is God, prunes. Is pruning a pleasant process? No, it involves cutting off things. <laughs> but he prunes us to make us more fruitful. If a vine or a, if you're any sort of gardener, I have a basic understanding of gardening. And my basic understanding is this, if you don't prune a plant, the fruit becomes less and less of quality. So God prunes us for our good. Now this patience that we show toward difficult situations, trusting God's in control, we also need to extend to others. Here's a second example of spirit-empowered patience. Patience shows a willingness to consider others. Now the worst thing that could happen for any of us would be that God would suddenly decide to be as impatient with you and me as we are with one another. Imagine that. If God was impatient with us as we are with others, we're in big trouble, I'll tell you. (laughs) Now this is where our patience most often wears thin, in how we relate to others. We see it in the traffic. 
We see it in the line of the supermarket. We see it in the waiting room. If you make someone wait, you'll probably hear about it, won't you? And you might not hear words, but you hear things like this behind you. <sighs> you ever heard that? Have you ever done that? <laughs> Have you ever thought that? Our impatience with others includes an unspoken subtext. I'm better than you are. I'm more important than you are. For example, an impatient... <laughs> I have experienced this several times. Uh, an impatient person might say or think, if I'm about to pull into your parking space at the shopping parking lot, I shouldn't have to wait for you to carefully put your groceries in the boot and return the shopping trolley to the trolley bay to get your little Audi thing back and, and buckle three children in the car seat and adjust your rearview mirror uh, before you finally decide to back it out. I shouldn't have to wait because my time is valuable and you're wasting it. And sometimes I say to those people at the beginning, we're going to be a while. <laughs> you know, there's a great sticker that says, Please be patient, God isn't finished with me yet. Please be patient with me, God isn't finished with me yet. This is a great attitude to extend to others, to recognise that God is doing his work in this other person's life too, and so I can be as patient with you as God is with me. That's why Paul said, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. This is something we often find difficult to remember. But that person who is really trying your patience isn't any less perfect than you, okay? If God can be patient with you, you can be patient with others. For this reason, Paul said, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now, every time I'm tempted to lose patience and tell someone they're driving me crazy, I have to remember that God isn't finished with me yet either. I need your patience, Lord. I need your mercy. I need your spirit to help me with this. I need room to grow. We all need it, don't we? We all need it. We're all on a journey. And on this side of heaven, we won't be there until we get there. In fact, it's at this point that we run into a bit of self-contradiction. On the one hand, we tend to completely blind, uh, be blind to our own faults <laughs> while we point out the faults of others. We become fruit inspectors. But does anywhere in the Bible say that we should be fruit inspectors? Not one place. But it does say we should be fruitful. Who's the gardener, us or God? <laughs> We're going to stop taking God's role on, hey? I think he knows better. Now, this leads me to a third area of spirit-empowered patience, and that is this. Patience shows a willingness to try again, to try again. Uh, some time ago, I heard this fantastic sermon by Louis Giglio. He was talking about when we sin and stuff up. And something that stuck out to me is he said, when you stuff up, get up and try again. And make that a mantra in your head. Try again. Try again. Now, have you ever seen footage like some remarkable athletes over history? Let me tell you one of those stories. I, I think it might have been in the it might have been in the Los Angeles Olympics. I can't remember. It was the, I think it was the early eighties. 
there was a, a female athlete. There was obviously female athletes running. I'm not sure how dis- long the distance was, perhaps 400, 800, maybe 5,000 meters. But all the other athletes had crossed the finish line. And one of the athletes had collapsed and um, tore, I think it was a hamstring. <laughs> and she was in a lot of pain and agony. You could see it on her face. But she got up and she just kept running, <laughs> like hobbling. <laughs> and it took a long time. But when she crossed that finish line, that applause was so much louder than the winner ever received. It was rapturous applause. Well, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to get up. He wants us to help us up and to try again, to try again. But the good thing about with God is we don't stay hamstrung. God heals that leg and he helps us to keep running. So when we stop being overcritical of others and we decide to take a closer look at ourselves, it can get discouraging. And I'm speaking from experience. Patience is a process that develops over time. It involves a willingness to try again. As Proverbs says, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. The difference between the righteous and the unrighteous is that the righteous get back up again because God helps them to. God helps them to. Sometimes it's the hardest thing in the world to do though, isn't it? It's so much easier to quit. It's so much easier to say, I'm tired of failing in this area. I should just surrender to the idea that I always will be this way and I should just give up. You ever said that? Have you ever said, I've said that to God sometimes. I said, God, I give up. But that's a great place to start again. And stop doing it in your own strength, because that's why we have to give up, and ask God to help us to do it. But what have we learned today? It's not by your own strength that you overcome, but by the power of the Holy Spirit in you. So the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus say, no, don't give up. Be patient with yourself as God has been with you and rely on me to help you to overcome. I know my worst critic is myself. Perhaps yourself is also your worst critic. Maybe we need to be a little bit more patient with ourselves like God is with us, who's slow to anger, abounding in love. Now, a few minutes ago, I talked about giving others room to grow. Now, I'm saying give yourself room to grow as well. I'm saying, please be patient with yourself because God isn't finished with you yet. Even when you're living by the Spirit, you'll stuff up because you live in this world and you're not perfect. But there's a promise you can claim. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Who's going to complete the work in you? Jesus. In fact, he's the author, so he started your faith, and the perfecter of your faith. He's been the one doing it the whole time. Maybe you've been fooling yourself, oh, I've been working really hard. Well, maybe you need to stop working so hard <laughs> and let God work hard in you. Friends, God has begun a mighty work in you that you should be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. He will finish what he started. It goes without saying that the more you surrender yourself to him, and that's really important, the more you surrender yourself to him, Stop trying to take control of yourself because you're not going to experience joy and peace if you try and take control. When you surrender yourself to him, the more you'll grow into his likeness. 
But no matter how you look at it, it's a process that takes time. It's a process that takes time. It's a process that requires your patience. Now, in this age of instant everything, it's hard for us to accept the idea that in God's economy, everything doesn't happen in a flash. In fact, in God's economy, it's the very opposite. (laughs) It's like a good wine that needs to mature. You and I are like a good bottle of wine. If you have it straight away, eh, hmm. but over time, oh, oh la la, it's a very nice wine. So those people, now let me say this. The difficult situations you face, whatever they are, he will resolve them at the appointed time, sometimes this side of heaven, sometimes the other side of heaven. But he will teach you some lessons along the way, lessons that will make you better, more like Jesus. So those people who try your patience at work, at home, in your family, let them be a reminder of the patience God has shown to you. Let them remind you, oh, but God's been very patient with me. And let yourself be an example to them of God's patience to us all. We can only do that by the Spirit but we can do it with his help. And when it comes to your own struggles, your own failures, your, when you're tempted to give up, show the same patience that, with yourself that God has shown to you and to everyone else. And try again. Try again. God has promised to cause every situation to work together for your good, even the bad stuff. He's promised to help you by the power of his Holy Spirit, And he's promised to finish the work he began in each one of us until we are like Jesus. And that's his ironclad promise. Isn't that great? Though it linger, wait for it. Why don't we ask God to help us with this? And let me say, just as I'm about to pray, if this is something you want to explore further, living by the Spirit, I would strongly encourage you to go to In Touch Ministries, Charles Stanley, In Touch Ministries, and listen to his sermons on the Spirit-filled life, in particular the sermon um, called The Abiding Life, Part 1 and Part 2. The Abiding Life, Part 1 and Part 2. I think you found it profoundly helpful.